You're listening to the Cyberwire Network, powered by N2K. Hello and welcome to Security Unlocked, a new podcast from Microsoft where we unlock insights from the latest in news and research from across Microsoft's security engineering and operations teams. I'm Nick Fillingham. And I'm Natalia Gadilla. In each episode, we'll discuss the latest stories from Microsoft security, deep dive into the newest threat intel, research, and data science. And profile some of the fascinating people working on artificial intelligence in Microsoft security. And now, let's unlock the pod. Hello, Natalia. Hello, listeners. Welcome to episode 26 of Security Unlocked. Natalia, how are you? Thank you, Nick. And welcome to all our listeners for another episode of Security Unlocked. Today, we are chatting about gamifying machine learning. Super cool. And we are joined by Christian Seifert and Joshua Neal, who will share their research on building Cyber Battle Sim, which investigates how autonomous agents operate in a simulated enterprise environment by using high-level abstraction of computer networks and cybersecurity concepts. I sounded very legit, but I did just read that directly from the blog. I was very impressed. If you had not said you read that from the blog, I would have been like, wow, I would like to subscribe to your newsletter. But this is a great conversation with with Christian and Joshua. We talk about what is reinforcement learning, sort as a concept and how does that get applied to security. Josh and Christian also walk us through sort of why this project was created and it's really to try and get ahead of a future where, you know, malicious actors have access to some level of automated autonomous tooling. Uh, And so this is a new project to sort of see what a future might look like when there are these autonomous agents out there doing bad stuff in the cyber world. And there are predecessors to this work, at least in other domains. So they used a toolkit, a Python-based open AI gym interface to build this research project. But there have been other applications in the past. Open AI is well-known for uh, hide-and-seek. There's a video on YouTube that shows how the AI learned over time different ways to obstruct the agent in the simulated environment, things like blocking them off using some pieces of the wall or jumping over the wall. The other thing we should point out is that this Cyber Battle Sim is an open source project. It's up on GitHub and the team very much want researchers uh, and really anyone who's interested in this space to go and download it, go and run it, play around with it and help make it better. And if you have feedback, let us know. There is contact information uh, through the GitHub page, but you can also contact us at securityunlocked at microsoft.com and we can make sure you uh, get in contact with the team. And with that, on with the pod. On with the pod. Welcome to Security Unlocked. New guest, Christian Seifert. Thanks for joining us and welcome returning guest, Josh Neal, back to the podcast. Both of you, welcome. Thanks for being on Security Unlocked. Thanks for having us. And thanks, Nick. Christian, I think as a, as a new guest on the podcast, could we get a little introduction for our listeners? Tell us about uh, what you do at Microsoft. Tell us about what uh, day-to-day looks like for you. Sure. So I'm a research lead on the security and compliance team. So our overall research team supports a broad range of enterprise and consumer products and services in the security space. My team in particular 
is focused on protecting users from uh, social engineering attacks. So uh, think of like phishing mails, for instance. So we're supporting Microsoft Defender for Office and uh, Microsoft Edge browser. Got it. And Josh, folks are obviously uh, familiar with you from previous episodes, but a, a quick reintro would be great. Thanks. I currently lead the data science team supporting Microsoft Threat Experts, which is our managed hunting service, as well as helping general re- cybersecurity research for the team. Fantastic. Again, thank you both for your time. So today on the podcast, we're going to talk about a blog post that came out earlier in, in this month on, on April 8th called Gamifying Machine Learning for Stronger Security and AI Models, where you talk about a new project that has sort of just gone live called Cyber Battle Sim. First up, congratulations on maybe the coolest name for a sort of a security research project. So like, I think, you know, just hats off there. I don't know who came up with the name, but but great job on that. Second of all, you know, Christian, if, if I could start with you, could you give us a sort of an introduction and an overview? What is Cyber Battle Sim and what is discussed in this blog post? Yeah, so before talking about the, the simulator uh, directly, let me, let me kind of take a step back and first talk about uh, what we try to accomplish here and, and why. Uh, So if you think about the security space and and machine learning in particular, a large portion of machine learning systems utilize supervised uh, classifiers. And here, essentially, what we have is is kind of a labeled data set. So, uh, for example, a set of males that we label as fish and good. And then we extract uh, threat-relevant features. Think of like maybe particular words in the body or header values we believe that are well suited to differentiate bad males from good males. And then that classifier is able to generalize and able to classify new males uh, that come in. There is a few uh, aspects to consider here. So first of all, the classifier generalizes based on the data that we present to it. So it's not able to identify completely unknown males. Second is that usually a supervised classification approach is, is biased because we are programming essentially that that classifier and what it uh, should do. And we're utilizing domain expertise, red teaming to kind of figure out what are threat relevant features. And so there is bias in that. And third, a, a classifier, of course, needs to have the data in order to make an appropriate classification. So if I have a classifier that classifies fish males based on the, the content of the mail, but there is the threat-relevant features are in the header, then that classifier needs to have those values as well in order to make that classification. And so my point is that these classifiers are not well-suited to uncover the unknown unknowns. Anything that it has not seen, kind of a new type of attack, it is really blind to it. It generalizes over the data that, that we present to it. And so what we try to do is to build a system that is able to uncover unknown attacks with the ultimate goal then to, of course, develop autonomous defensive component to defend against those attacks. So that gives a little bit of context on why we're pursuing this effort. And this was inspired by reinforcement learning research in the broader research community, mostly that is currently applied kind of in the gaming context, So OpenAI actually came out with a neat video uh, a couple of years ago called Hide and Seek. 
Uh, and that video is available on YouTube. I'd certainly encourage listeners to check it out. But basically, it was a game of laser tag where you had a kind of a red team and a blue team that played a game of laser tag against each other. And at first, they, of course, randomly kind of shoot in the air and run around and there is really no order to the chaos. But eventually, that system learned that, hey, if a red team member shoots a blue team member, there is a reward. And the blue team member also learned, well, running away from the red team member is, is probably a good thing to do. And so OpenAI kind of uh, established the system and had the blue team and the red team play against each other. And eventually what that led to is really neat strategies that you and I probably wouldn't have come up with. Because what the AI system does, it explores the entire possible action space and as a result, comes up with some unexpected strategies. So, for instance, uh, there was a blue team member that kind of hid in a room. And then a red team guy figured out, hey, if I jump on a block, then I can surf in that environment and get into the room and shoot the blue team member. So that was a little bit an inspiration because we wanted to also uncover these unknown unknowns in the security context. Got it. That's great context. Thank you, Christian. I think I have seen that video. Is that the one where one of the many unexpected outcomes was that like one of the the blue or red team players like managed to sort of like pick up walls and use them as shields and then create ramps to get into like hidden parts of the map? Am I thinking about the right video? Yes, that's the right video. Got it. So the whole idea was that that was an experiment in in understanding how finding the unknown unknowns using this game sort of this laser tag sort of gaming space. Is, is that accurate? That's right. And so they utilize reinforcement learning in order to train those agents. Another example is uh, DeepMind's AlphaGo Zero playing the game of Go. And, and here, again, kind of two players, two AI systems that play against each other and over time really develop new strategies on how to play the game of Go that you know humans, players, have, have not come up with. And it eventually led to a system that achieved superhuman performance and able to beat the champion Lisa Dole. And I think that was back in 2017. So really inspiring work both by OpenAI and DeepMind. Got it. I wonder, Josh, is there anything you'd like to, before we sort of jump into the content of the blog and, and Cyber Battle Sim, is there anything you'd like to add from your perspective to, to the context that Christian set us up on? Yeah, thanks, Nick. I, I mean, I think we were really excited about this because I think we all think this is a natural evolution of of our adversaries. So, so currently, our adversaries, the more sophisticated ones, are primarily using humans to attack our enterprises, and that means they're slow and they can make mistakes and they don't learn from the large amount of data that's there in terms of how to do attacks better because they're humans. But I think it's natural, and we just see this everywhere in all of technology, is that people are bringing in methods to learn from the data and make decisions automatically. And so it's a natural evolution to say that attackers will be writing code to create autonomous attack capabilities that learn while they're in the enterprise. The piece of software that's launched against the enterprise is an attack will observe its environment and make decisions on the fly automatically from code. 
as a result, that's a frightening proposition because I think the speed at which these attacks will proceed will be a lot, you know, a lot more quick. But also being able to use the data to learn effective techniques that get around defenses. You know, we just see data science and machine learning and artificial intelligence doing this all over the place. And it's very effective that the ability to consume a large amount of data and make decisions on it, that's what machine learning is all about. And so we at Microsoft are interested in exploring this ourselves because we feel like the threat is coming. And well, let's get ahead of it, right? Let's go experiment with automated learning methods for attacks and and obviously in the end for defense that by implementing attack methods that learn we then can implement defensive methods that will that will preempt what the real adversaries are doing eventually against our customers so i think that's sort of a philosophical thing and then i i love the open ai hide and seek example because you know, the analogy is imagine that instead of they're in a room with um, walls and, and stuff, they're on a computer network. And the computer network has machines, it has applications, it has email accounts, it has users, it's got a cloud applications. But in the end, you know, an attacker is moving through an environment, getting blocked in various ways by defenses learning about those blockings and detections and things and finding gaps that they can move through in this, in a very similar way. So I'm just sort of drawing that analogy back. Hide and seek, it is what we're trying to do in cyber defense, you know, is, is hide and seek. And so th- I think the analogy is very strong. Josh, I just want to quickly clarify on something that, that you said there. So it sounds like what you're saying is that while sort of automated AI-based attacking attackers or attacking agents maybe aren't quite prevalent yet, they're they're coming. And so a big part of this work is about prepping for that and getting ahead of it. Is, is that correct? That's correct. I, I'm not aware of sophisticated attack machinery that's being launched against our, our customers yet. I haven't seen it. Maybe others have. I think it's a natural thing. It's coming and we better be ready. I mean, we, we see some of it already uh, in terms of adversarial machine learning, where uh, our machine learning systems are getting attacked, where maybe the input is manipulated in a way that leads to a misclassification. Most of that is, is currently more being explored in the research community. How did you apply reinforcement learning how did you build BattleSim? In the blog, you described mapping some of the core concepts of reinforcement learning to cyber BattleSim, such as the environment, the action space, the observation space, and the reward. Can you talk us through how you translated that to security? Yeah, so, so first, let me, let me talk a little bit about reinforcement learning to make sure uh, listeners understand kind of how that works. So as I mentioned uh, earlier in the supervised case, we feed a labeled data set to a learner. Uh, and then it's able to generalize. And reinforcement learning, it works very differently where you have an agent that sits within an environment and the agent is essentially able to generate the data itself by exploring that environment. So think of an agent in a computer network. That agent could, first of all, scan 
the network to maybe uncover nodes. And then there may be uh, actions around interacting with the nodes that it uncovers. And based on those interactions, the agent will uh, receive a reward. That reward actually may be delayed, right? Like there could be many, many steps that the agent has to take before the reward uh, manifests itself. And so that's kind of how the agent learns. It's able to interact at that environment and then able to receive a reward. And so that's kind of what stands of the within the core of the, the cyber battle sim. Because William Bloom, who is the, the brains behind this simulation, has created an environment that is compatible with uh, common uh, reinforcement learning tool sets, namely the OpenAI gym that allows you to train agents in that environment. And so the cyber battle sim uh, represents a simple computer network. So think of a set of computer nodes, uh, the, the nodes represent a computer, um, Windows, Mac OS, SQL Server, and then every node exposes a set of vulnerabilities that the agent could potentially exploit. And so then as kind of the agent is dropped into that environment, the agent needs to first uncover those nodes. So there is a set of actions that allows to explore the state space. Overall, the environment has a a limited observability. As the agent gets dropped into the environment, you're not necessarily uh, giving that agent the entire network topology Uh, The agent first needs to uncover that by exploring the network, exploiting nodes from those nodes, further explore the network and essentially laterally move across the network to achieve a goal that we give it to receive that final reward that allows the agent to learn. And if I understand correctly, many of the variables were predetermined, such as the network topology and the vulnerabilities. And in addition, you tested different environments with different set variables. So how did you determine the different environments that you would test? And within that particular environment, what factors were predetermined and what those predetermined factors would be? So we, we determine that based on the domain expertise that exists within the team. So we have uh, security researchers that are on a red team that kind of do that on a day-to-day basis to penetration test environments. And so those folks provided input on how to structure that environment, what nodes should be represented, what vulnerabilities should be exposed, what actions the agent is able to take in, in terms of interacting and exploring that uh, network. So our red team experts provided that information. I wonder, Christian, if you could confirm for me. So there are elements here in the cyber battle sim that are fixed and predetermined. What elements are not? And so I guess my question here is, if I am someone interfacing with the cyber battle sim, what changes every time? How would you sort of define the game component in terms of what am I going to have to try and do differently every time? So the the cyber battle sim is, is parameterized where... You can start it up in a way that the network essentially stays constant over time. So you're able to train an agent. And so the network size is is something that is dynamic that you can uh, specify upon startup. And then also kind of the node composition, as well as so whether how many Windows 10 machines you have versus SQL servers, as well as the type of vulnerabilities that are associated with each of those nodes. Got it. So every time you you establish the simulation, it 
creates those parameters and sort of locks them for the duration of the simulation. But you don't know, the agent doesn't know in advance what they will be. They will be. The agent has to go through those processes of discovery and reinforcement learning. Absolutely. And, and one, one tricky part within reinforcement learning is, is generalizability, right? When you train an agent on network A, it may be able to learn how to outperform a red team member. But if you then change the network topology, the agent may completely flail and not able to perform very well at all and needs to kind of retrain again. And that, that's a common problem within the, the re- reinforcement learning research community. In the blog, you also noted a few opportunities for improvement, such as building a more realistic model of the simulation. The simplistic model served its purpose, but as you're opening the project to the broader community, it seems that you're endeavoring to partner with the other researchers to create a more realistic environment. Have you given some early thought as to how to potentially make the simulation more real over time? Absolutely. There is a long list of, of things that we uh, need to think about. I mean, uh, network size is, is one component. Being able to simulate a, a regular user in that network environment dynamic aspects of the network environment where a node essentially is added to the network and then disappears from the network. Uh, All those components are currently not captured in the simulation as it stands today. And the regular user component is an important one because what you can imagine is if we have an attacker that is able to exploit the network and then you have a defender agent within that network as well, if there is no user component, you can very easily secure that network by essentially turning off all the nodes. So in a defender agent needs to also optimize to keep the productivity of the users that are existing on the network high, which is currently not, not incorporated in, in the simulation. Oh, that's, that's amazing. So there could be in a sort of a future iteration, sort of a network or environment productivity like score or or even a dial and you have to sort of keep it above a particular threshold while you are also thwarting the advances of the of the agent absolutely and i mean that is i think a common trade-off in the security space right there are certain security uh, measures that that make a network much more secure think of like two-factor authentication but it does you add some user friction right and so Today, we're, we're walking that balance, but I'm hoping that there may be new strategies, not just on the attacker side, but also on the defender side that we can uncover that is able to provide higher level of security while keeping productivity high. I think you, you, you have covered this, but I'd, I'd like to ask it again, just to sort of be crystal clear for our audience. So who is the cyber battle sim for? Is it for red teams? Is it for blue teams? Is it for students that are, you know, learning about this space? Could you walk us through some of the types of, you know, people and, and roles that are going to use cyber battle sim? I mean, I think that the cyber battle sim today is is quite simplistic. It is a simulated environment. It is not, it, it's modeled after a real world network, but it is far from being a real world network. So it's uh, simplistic, it's simulated, which gives us some advantages in terms of uh, scalability in a learning environment. And so at this point in time, I would say uh, the simulation is really geared towards uh, the research community. There's a lot of research being done in reinforcement learning 
A lot of research is focused on games, because if you think about a game, that is just another simulated environment. And what we're intending to do here with, with some of the open source releases is really put the spotlight on the security problem. And we're hoping that the, the reinforcement learning researchers and the research community at large will pay more attention to this problem in the security domain. It's currently sort of more targeted, as you say, as, as researchers, as a sort of a research tool. For it to be something that red teams and blue teams might want to look at adopting, is that somewhere on a roadmap, for example, if, if you had the ability to move it out of the simulation and into sort of a, a, a VM space or virtual space or perhaps add the ability for users to recreate their own network topology? Is that somewhere on your, your wish list? Absolutely. I think there's certainly the goal to eventually have these uh, autonomous defensive agent deployed in real world environments. And so in order to get to that simulation needs to become more and more realistic in order to achieve that. There's a lot of work to be done there because reinforcement learning on graphs, big networks is computationally expensive. And just a lot of raw research, mathematics and computing that needs to be done to get to that real real world setting and security research and, and incorporating the knowledge of these constraints and goals and rewards and things that that, that takes a lot of domain research and getting getting the, the security situation realistic. So it's hard. In the simulation today, it provides the environment and the ability for us to train a red team agent, so an agent that attacks the environment. Today, the defender is very simplistic, modeled probabilistically around cleaning up machines that have been exploited. So as kind of the next point on the wish list is really getting to a point where we have the red team agent play against the blue team agent and kind of play back and forth and see kind of how that influences the dynamic of the game. So Christian, you noted one of the advantages of the abstraction was that it wasn't directly applicable to the real world. And because it wasn't approved as a safeguard against nefarious actors who might use cyber battlesome for the wrong reason, as you're thinking about the future of the project, how do you plan to mitigate this challenge as you drive towards more realism in the simulation? That is certainly a risk of this sort of research. I think we're still at the early stages. So I think that risk is, is really non-existent as it stands right now. But I think it can become a risk as the simulation becomes more sophisticated and realistic. Now, we at Microsoft have the responsible AI effort that is being led at the corporate level that looks at you know safety, reliability, transparency, accountability. Uh, et cetera, as kind of principles that we need to incorporate into our AI systems. And we early on engage the proper committees to help us shape the, the solution in a responsible fashion. And so at this point in time, there weren't really any concerns, but uh, as the simulation evolves and becomes more realistic, I very much expect that we uh, need to employ particular safeguards to prevent abuse. 
And so without giving away the battle plan here, what are some other avenues that are being uh, explored here as part of this trying to get ahead of this eventual point in the future where there are automated agents out there in the wild? This is the, the core effort that we're making, and it's hard enough. I'll also say I think it's important for security folks like us, especially Microsoft, to try hard things and to try to break new ground and in innovation to protect our customers and really the world. And if we only focus on short-term product enhancements, the adversaries will continue to take advantage of our customers' enterprises. And we really do need to be taking these kind of risks. May not work. It's too, it's really, really hard. And the, and doing and, and purposefully endeavoring to to tackle really hard problems is is necessary to get to the next level of innovation that we have to get to. Let me add to that. Like we have a lot of capabilities and expertise at Microsoft, but in the security space, there are many many challenges. And so, I don't think we can do it alone. Um, and so, we also need to. They kind of put a spotlight on the problem and encourage the broader community to help solve these problems with us. And so there's a variety of efforts that we have pursued over the last uh, couple of years to do exactly that. So about two years ago, we published a Kaggle data science competition where we provided a data set to the broader community with a problem around uh, malware classification and machine risk identification and basically asked the community, hey, solve this problem. And there was, you know, prize money associated with it. But I really like that approach because we have, again, we have a lot of expertise on the team, but we're also a little bit biased, right? In terms of kind of the type of people that we have uh, and the expertise that we have. If you present a problem to the broader research community, you will get a very different approaches on how people solve the problems. Most likely from kind of domains that are not security related. Other example is an RFP. So we funded uh, several research projects last year. I think it was uh, $450,000 worth of research projects where, again, we kind of laid out here are some problems that are of interest that we want to put the spotlight on and then support the, the research community pr- to pursue research in that area. So what kind of, you know, you talk about it being a, an area that we all sort of collectively have to contribute to and sort of get b- behind. Folks listening to the podcast right now, going and reading the blog, would you like everyone to go and, and, and spin up Cyber Battle Sim and, and give it a shot? And then once they have, tell us about the, the types of work or feedback you'd love to see. So it's up on GitHub. What kind of contributions or, or feedback are you looking for from, from the community? I mean, I'd really love to have uh, reinforcement learning researchers that have done research in the space work with the cyber battle sim. Kind of going back to the problem that I mentioned earlier, where how can we build agents that are generalizable in a way that they're able to operate on different network topology, different network configuration, I think is an, an exciting area that I'd love to see uh, the research community tackle. The second portion is, is really enhancing the simulation. I mentioned a whole slew of features that I think would be beneficial to make it more realistic 
and then also kind of tackle the problem of, of negatively impacting potential productivities of, of users that operate on that network. So enhancing the, the simulation itself is another aspect. But Josh, anything you want to add to that? Yeah, I mean, I, I think those were the, the major audiences we're hoping for feedback from. But uh, also, like Christian said, if a psychologist comes and looks at this and has an idea, send us an email or something. You know, that multidisciplinary advantage we get from putting this out in the open means we're anticipating surprises. And we want those. We want that diversity of thought and approach. A physicist, you know, this looks like a black hole. And here's the math. Who knows? You know, but that's that's the kind of... Everything's a black hole to a physicist. Yeah. That's a, so, you know, I think that diversity of thinking is what we really solicit. Just take a look. Yeah. Anybody listening, download it, play with it. Send us an email. We're doing this so that we get your your ideas and thinking for us and for the whole community. Because I think we we also believe that good security, that next generation security is developed by everybody, not just Microsoft. And that there is a there is a good reason to uplift all of humanity's capability to protect themselves for Microsoft, but for everybody, you know. So Christian, what are the baseline results? How long does it take an agent to get to the desired outcome? So the simulation is designed in a way that also allows humans to play the game. So we had one of our red teamers to actually play the game. And it took that person about 50 operations to compromise the entire network. Now, when we take a, a random agent that kind of uninformed uh, takes random actions on the network, it takes about 500 steps. So that's kind of the, the, the lower baseline for an agent. And then we trained uh, DeepQ a reinforcement learning agent, and it was able to accomplish uh, the human baseline after about 50 uh, training iterations. Again, network is quite simple. I wouldn't expect that to hold uh, as kind of the the simulation scales and becomes more complex, but that was uh, certainly an encouraging first result. And I think that the significant thing there is, even if the computer takes more steps than the human, well, we can make computers run fast, right? We can do millions of iterations way faster than a, than a human and they're cheaper than humans, et cetera. It's automation. Is there a point at which the automated agent gets too good or, or is there sort of a, what would actually be the definition of almost a failure in this experiment to some degree? I think one, one is to, to sort of interpret your question is it could be overfit. That is, if it's too good, it's too specific and not generalized. And as soon as you throw some different set of constraints or network at it, it fails. So I think that's a that's a real metric of the performances. Okay, it, it learned on this situation, but how well does it do on the next one? Is there anything else uh, either of you would like to add before we wrap up here? I feel like I've covered a lot of ground. I'm going to go download Cyber Battle Sim and, and try and work out how to execute it. But anything you'd like to add, Christian? No, not for me. It was uh, great talking to you. Well, thank you, Josh and Christian, for joining us on the show today. It was a pleasure. Well, thanks so much. Yeah, thanks so much. Lots of fun. Well, we had a great time unlocking insights into security from research to artificial intelligence. Keep an eye out for our next episode. And don't forget to tweet us at MSFT Security or email us at securityunlocked at microsoft.com with topics you'd like to hear on a future episode. 
Until then, stay safe. Stay secure. This week on the Microsoft Threat Intelligence Podcast, join us as we dig deep into the XZ backdoor with its finder, Andreas Freund, and senior security researcher, Thomas Rochia. Be sure to listen in and follow us at msthreatintelpodcast.com or wherever you get your favorite podcasts.